Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by Commercial Agent Success Strategies. You want to check this out. If you're in commercial real estate brokerage, this will be the best training you've ever seen in your life, and I guarantee it. I created it, so I must like it, right? Check it out. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Well, today we have a treat for you. We're going to have John D'Angelo on the show. He's real estate solutions leader for Deloitte. And they just came out with the report, the 2024 Commercial Real Estate Outlook. And the theme is Finding Terra Firma. Please welcome John to the show. John, thanks for coming and uh, good to see you. Good to see you too, Michael. Thanks for having me. And for those of you watching the video version, there's some cool cars behind John. So uh, you get a little more of a treat than, than just looking at the two of us. So, so John, tell us a little bit about this report, this survey, how you guys do it and how many people are involved. Yeah. So Michael, we, we interviewed, actually we surveyed 750 CFOs, um, from really around the world. So, uh, a lot of them from North America, but you know, also Asia PAC and in Europe represented, um, you know, and asked, uh, the respondents a number of questions sort of thinking about their business, their outlook, the things that they're worried about. Uh, you know, in particular, we, we talk to people about um, how they're using technology and what they're thinking about related to technology uh, and have been doing it for the last several years. So, um, you know, starting to get a decent amount of, of time slice data to look back on, um, but had, uh, you know, had, had good participation um, and, you know, and we'll talk about it. I, I, you know, I think a couple of surprises and a couple of things uh, or several things that, that weren't particularly surprising, um, given that this was uh, done kind of early summer this year. So I think the survey went out in June. Um, so, you know, a lot of things that are true today were true, um, you know, three, four months ago. Yeah, that's interesting. So what is the general outlook of participants and how is that adjusted over the last year? Um, boy, I, uh, you know, I, I find after having worked in real estate for 30 something years now that it is it, generally the people um, that, that lead real estate companies are an optimistic bunch, <laughs> but that wasn't the case this year. Um, so um, I, I, I think we said it in the report, it was the, the most pessimistic uh, in terms of, of revenue outlook. Uh, you know, we asked people about their, their thoughts on revenue for the next uh, 12 to 15 months and, and we got the, the most pessimistic uh, response back than, than we've ever had in the, in the survey group. So, um, you know, 60% were expecting uh, declining revenue for the year ahead compared to, you know, the sort of the same question last year uh, was about 45% uh, that, that expected revenue, you know, down year over year uh, in the coming, in the coming year. So uh, a, a bit of a pessimistic group this year. Yeah. Well, I guess it's understandable with uh, the rapid rate uh, of increases we've had from the Fed on interest rates and how that's really uh, adjusting values and the and the economy. What what were the plans? What what's different about what the CFOs plan to do regarding this slowdown? Are they adjusting their spending? Are they adjusting their well? Obviously, they're adjusting their transaction volume. 
Yeah, so I, uh, so forty percent of of people responding said they were expecting to uh, to cut expenses uh, in the year ahead, and that's that's up. The last two years, six percent uh, were looking to to cut expenses. This this time it was forty percent. So sort of makes sense that those that those hang together. Um, and and interestingly, um, uh, of of a real estate group surveyed. A bunch of those said that they, they expected to find the expense cuts in, in reduced office space. Uh, I was kind of surprised about that. Um, and, and the other piece was, you know, in talent related uh, uh, actions. So the, the two worst places to cut, I would think, <laughs> in your office space where you get people together to get things done. And, and then in your people, it seems like the two places you want to spend. How about spending on technology? Yeah, listen, the, the, the number of people saying that they were going to increase technology sort of plummeted. So, you know, we're seeing sort of either flat to decrease in, in technology. But, you know, I think we didn't see as much drop in technology spend, um, I think partly because the industry still has catch up to do. Um, you know, and, and as somebody who has served the real estate industry for a long time in technology and transformation related initiatives, um, you know, we are seeing uh, projects that just aren't, they're, they're not optional. Um, so you, you, you might expect that that would be a place that, that people would find cuts and, and, and that didn't get reflected. So, and, and, and it's, I think, largely because, Michael, people don't have a choice. Um, they have to continue to, to catch up um, in, in what we call, you know, tech-related debt or technology debt. They're having to repay. Yeah. So they expect to slow down. They're slowing down spending. What are they doing about acquisitions? Are some folks looking at this as an opportunity or, or, or the longer pause? What are they expecting on timing? Um, you know, as, as we're, um, uh, you know, I think we, we continue to sort of see some uncertainty about, you know, when interest rates are going to stabilize, um, you know, when the cost of, of debt has gone up so much uh, and, and liquidity. So availability of debt has gone down. Um, you know, still some pessimism about uh, transactions. Um, and, and listen, I was at a, a conference, I don't know, two, three weeks ago um, with, uh, with global investors. <laughs> and the, the uh, one panel discussion was that there's going to be, um, you know, some deals uh, for, you know, sort of brave capital, the likes of which we haven't seen in a long time. Um, you know, just as people are cautious about, uh, about transactions. But um, you know, the, 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 the consensus view was um, we're likely to see a period of, of you know, great opportunity for, um, for those that either, either don't need, um, you know, uh, leverage um, or, you know, have, um, have alternate sources of capital. Yeah, we're certainly seeing that on the ground as brokers, uh, especially in the land uh, market where some investors are, are able to buy land where they just couldn't compete for it before, right? Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. We've got a parking lot downtown Atlanta that shoots off a real nice income and it would have sold for so much with the apartment developers bidding it up that, you know, somebody buying it for income and future long-term hold couldn't, couldn't compete. Well, now they can, they're like, okay, this is great. I can get a good income property with a long-term hold. Where fundamentals are great, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And, yeah. and where, you know, to your point, you know, where properties that may not have been available before. And we're seeing a lot of that too on some of the, the mid, mid tier properties uh, and smaller properties where investors are buying for their own companies, for their own use, right? It's a good time for users. Well, and it's just a, it, it's interesting is I think sort of seller expectations are catching up to market realities. Um, it's just sort of helping with uh, transactions happening again. Yeah. And what about the property types? Did you see any, uh, anything interesting in your survey related to allocation or, or thoughts on, on any particular sector? You know, uh, maybe this is not surprising, but we asked uh, we asked CFOs where they thought the, the greatest uh, risk-adjusted return potential uh, was, and, and the one that shot up to the top is is uh, is digital uh, real estate. So, you know, to think cell towers and data centers, um, you know, with a bunch of demand drivers still behind them. Um, the other one that, that sort of shot up to the top is um, single family uh, rentals or single family for rent. Um, you know, and it, and it seems like some of that is driven by people getting priced out of the housing market, um, you know, that, that want to have a house. Um, and, um, you know, SFR being a, a way to get into a house without, um, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, having a big, a big, you know, sort of personal uh, balance sheet. So, um, so those kind of shot up to the top of the list, you know, and, and maybe not surprisingly, um, uh, you know, both uh, suburban and, and, and urban uh, uh, office uh, dropped on the list. Um, I think we had, uh, you know, urban, so CBD office is, is the number one uh, opportunity last year. And it's just, uh, you know, people continue to be pessimistic about it. And was there anything in the survey or responses about uh, the timing for office demand and when people expect it to to come back some you know we didn't we didn't really ask about timing um so i'm sort of looking at sort of consensus views um that uh you know hopefully we we return to some sort of normal uh in 24 under the finding terra firma heading you know it's kind of uh seller expectations have changed you know there's a there is a bunch in, in occupiers you know, certainly office occupiers, um, you know, getting to a place where they feel like they've got uh, a line of sight into, you know, what their space needs are going to be. Um, you know, there was just so much uncertainty as we've you know, kind of gone through remote and hybrid, um, you know, the great, res the, the great resignation, um, uh, you know, in, in figuring out, you know, how people occupy space and, and, and how, uh, you know, hybrid, uh, work arrangements relate to keeping a workforce together. Um, it seems like we're getting to a place where that's stabilizing. Um, you know, so uh, I think there's there's a little bit more understanding about, uh, you know, what the office space footprint looks like, uh, you know, particularly by big occupiers. Um, so it seems like that's, that's boosting confidence. Yeah, I, I agree. The bigger occupiers are, are going to move the needle, and, and that seems to be the biggest challenge for the, the big occupiers to, to get their folks uh, back uh, because, yeah, and I see the smaller occupiers uh, almost never left. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're still in the office. And, you know, uh, when you talk about hybrid, it's kind of interesting because it sounds like uh, the CFOs of the real estate companies say, well, we're going to use less office space. Uh, but they're expecting other folks might uh, be coming back more than them. Like, 
Yeah, well, the, the I guess the the way you square that circle is we you know we surveyed across um, you know all property types. So yeah. <laughs> I, I right. imagine it's a it's a slightly different answer from our our office uh, you know owner operator developer client base. Yeah, I was uh, with a developer uh, owner operator of a lot of office buildings a few weeks ago, and we're at a networking event and. He said, excuse me, I got to get out of this conversation. I got to go work on a 1,200 or 1,800 square foot office lease. He said, I'd have never been even involved in it before, but now I'm all over it, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the amount of attention is, is probably a little bit outsized in today's market. So this is a great report, and it's nice that you guys do this survey and put this out here. And the uh, and, and and anybody that likes to see it, we'll have a link at at CREshow dot com on the current show. And if you uh, just uh, Google search Deloitte CRE Outlook twenty twenty four, uh, you can find a link to it. And and John, as you you look at this survey and your your report on it, and and you look at past surveys, what else kind of jumps out to you as potential maybe challenges or or, or opportunities? You know, um, I guess thinking about two things, Michael, one is, um, well, actually, there's three things that that I want to point out. One is um, I I was surprised this year uh, by so we asked people, you know, what what risk um, they're most worried about that would affect financial performance of their enterprise. And the one that shot up to the top of the list was cyber risk. Um, So it's just interesting that that is top of mind for a bunch of companies. Um, and, and I think the explanation is, you know, sort of the smarter technologies go down to the building level, there's just more vulnerabilities. Um, and, you know, cyber threats are becoming a lot more sophisticated. Um, but still, I, you know, I was surprised that that was so much on the on the top of people's minds. Um, the other, uh, I guess the second of the, of the three things is, um, you know, we've asked over the last several years, uh, how people feel about their basic technology footprint from, you know, kind of antiquated server in the basement, you know, on premises to, you know, fully modernized in the cloud, you know, kind of ready to absorb new technologies. Um, and, and we have seen this steady shift, as you would expect, from, you know, kind of antiquated to more modernized. Um, but last year, uh, at, at one end of the spectrum, you know, the, the number of respondents who said, yeah, we're, we are there, we are fully modernized, we are ready for anything was 15%. This year it went down to 5%. Um, and I think the I think the explanation is people are, are realizing the goalposts keep moving. <laughs> so, you know, what, what fully modernized and ready for anything meant a year ago is different than it means today. Um, so I actually think that's reasonably healthy. Um, and then the last thing that was, I guess, still a little bit of a surprise to me is um, we, we asked about readiness for um, uh, environment for ESG reporting, um, and and still the number of people that that are saying, look, we're we're not ready, uh, is like sixty percent of our respondents uh, have said we we just we don't have the data. It's not captured in systems. I don't trust it, uh, and I expect that that number is going to go up. You know, as the as the demands for sustainability reporting continue to go up. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it makes sense. And going back to the cyber risk, uh, it seems like even gets tougher when you have hybrid. You have people working from anywhere, right? Yeah, there's just so many different points of vulnerability. Um, it's just a you know, it's a different, more complicated uh, environment than it was you know even a couple of years ago. Um, 
you know, and the bad guys have gotten smarter. Yeah. You know, and, and the real estate owners are, are concerned, um, you know, about their, their real estate and the vulnerability of all the online pieces of that, of those properties. But, uh, yeah, I'm wondering also if, if some of the, the companies, uh, trying to get their folks back in the office of, you know, trade secrets and, and cybersecurity becomes an issue there, where it's just really more difficult all the time to protect everything when people are just all over the world. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's partly the case. The other thing that is, and boy, Michael, if you don't know what to talk about in, in your in my line of work, talk about generative AI. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it seems to be the topic everybody wants to talk about for for lots of good reasons because it's sort of gotten to the board level, uh, you know, and into the C suite. Um, but, you know, it, it brings up data vulnerabilities, you know, as, as you've got people that are experimenting with it, sort of exposing enterprise data to, um, you know, to, to these tools, and they just don't understand the risks. So, uh, you know, I get that it's it, it, the, the, the playing field has changed a bit. Yeah. What about opportunities when you look at this report and then your experience in industry and kind of where we are, where are there some opportunities potentially? Yeah, it's a good, that's a, it's a really good question, Michael. Um, you know, listen, I think, uh, you know, back to um, uh, where our clients told us um, that the digital real estate and, um, you know, kind of needs-based real estate, um, you know, long-term care, uh, senior housing, uh, industrial continue to have great uh, demand drivers behind them. And, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, as, as the construction for um, industrial you know, we, we're kind of getting through a, a, a big increase in, in construction that's getting delivered now. Um, you know, but but still, as as um, you know, uh, manufacturing is uh, there, there's lots of reasons for manufacturing to come back onshore, and you know, companies have have um, have, have rebuilt supply chains for resiliency. Um, you know, we can we, just, we still see great demand drivers for industrial um, now. You know, the big question for opportunities is, you know, where do you spot, where do you spot opportunities where others don't see them? Um, and, and, you know, and you, you sort of got me about that, except we've had interesting conversations with companies that are looking for, you know, how do we, like, how do we really, um, you know, look for adaptive reuse opportunities? Um, you know, it's kind of functionally obsolete, uh, you know, kind of class B and, and, and lower, uh, you know, not well-located office buildings need to become something else. Um, I think investors are asking some pretty smart questions about, um, you know, what, do, what, what can we do to, um, to do something about that opportunity? How do we sort of set ourselves up um, and, and look for, you know, ways to accelerate that or, or um, you know, re really focus in on it? Um, yeah. So, you know, see, sort of see some, some potential green shoots there. Yeah, a good point. And what about opportunistic um, investors, uh, groups? Uh, did they expect to see more opportunities uh, and, or, and, and more maybe than the last recession or less? You know, I, I think it just it gets back to, um, you know, looking for some stability in, in uh, you know, the, in the cost of debt and availability of debt, um, you know, and, and uh, sellers, either not being able to hang on any longer or, you know, really getting a, a reset on, on expectations of value. Um, you know, as we were talking about, there's just the transaction volumes have gone down so much um, that, that there aren't great comps 
so sort of figuring out where the market is, um, you know, and, and has it reached bottom, uh, you know, it's still a, it's still a big challenge. Yeah, it is. And, and if we remember, though, back to the Great Recession, you know, we've heard that for, I don't know, it seems like I heard that for three years or so, four years. I, oh, we're, we're at the bottom. I don't want to catch a falling knife. But those investors did extremely well. We don't have to get right. at the very bottom of a market, right, to do well. It, it, exactly. Yeah. And that's where, I, you know, I think the term brave capital is really good. It's a, it's a good term. We'll start to see um, you know, sort of people move into the market and then it's such a flocking industry. Um, but the, the first movers, I, I think, you know, in, in this market are going to have a, uh, you know, in, like in so many markets, but in this market in particular, are going to have a great opportunity for some bargains. What's your sense of liquidity in the market or, or from your respondents? Uh, you know, it's not great. It's, it is, uh, you know, right up at the top of, of, things that people point to for sort of headwinds or challenges um, that there's just still isn't, you know, the GSIBs are still, you know, sort of struggling with, um, you know, a lot of, of real estate on the balance sheet that normally would have been recycled. Um, but, you know, not wanting to um, not wanting to get it off their books at a loss. Um, you know, so the big banks are still, um, you know, n not lending it, it nearly the rates that they were. So we'll, I think we'll see, um, you know, kind of private debt uh, uh, come back and, 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 you know, sort of candidly sort of seeing people looking for uh, opportunities there. Um, but, you know, it's still, a, it's still a challenge. It's not reset to normal. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because it seems like the, for lenders, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to do loans and build relationships that are probably some of the safest loans that they've done in a long time. At least you won't have maturity risk, right? Well, rate risk at maturity. Well, we hope not, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, less competition, probably a better better assets and borrowers. Uh, we just had a, a lender reach out today that I'm, I'm real familiar with, and and they're like they're they've really beefed up their team, and uh, they're really looking at this as an opportunity. Um, but I guess they they don't have the, some of the challenges some of the other banks have. Boy, and there's just so much dry powder on the sidelines, Michael. You just, you, you got to believe that, um, uh, you know, listen, I, if I had a crystal ball, I'd, I'd, I'd probably do it, be doing something else. But you got to believe that, that that's all, you know, that, that all um, uh, adds up to, uh, you know, a change in transaction volumes, uh, you know, hopefully in the first half of 24. Yeah. Well, another green shoot as far as us in the southeast at our shop, we're see starting to see things pick up a little bit. And maybe that's the optimistic broker in me is grabbing on that green shoot. But we're starting to see some sellers uh, come around with some great properties at nine caps. And, it, you know, it, it reminds me of it. Remember back in the day, John, when 10 caps were the normal? Yeah, exactly. I mean, think about the people that are in our industry that have never, you know, they've never heard of, of, of double digit caps. Right. 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 Yeah. If, if you're not in your late forties, you probably haven't been in a decision chair uh, during a recession before, right? No, exactly. The, the, you know, people thinking the three, four caps were just normal. It's, you know, and, and, uh, you know, kind of debt availability, you know, kind of long-term rates of three or 4% was normal. It's not normal. Yeah. Um, and, and we're coming back to that. Yeah. Well, John, what would you leave our audience with to think about uh, with the report this year and the, and the survey results? Yeah, listen, I think there is there is something about, um, you know, the resiliency of, of real estate, Michael, um, 
that um, you know it goes through cycles. Um, you you got to believe that we're coming out of a cycle. The, the you know the demand for various uses of real estate in 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 so many ways is evergreen. So as as we start to come from you know tre- tremendous amount of uncertainty, you know into sort of line of sight for opportunities. Um, I, you know, just encourage people to to um, you know put their thinking caps on. <laughs> um, and and think about where there's opportunities, you know, in advance of the headlines. Yeah, um, that's a that's a good point. I was just with a family office this morning, and they're really excited about uh, the, um, I guess, the lowered prices and getting a better basis now. And they they look at real estate as, as a really long term hold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and and I think you know to, to the extent that that you can. Um, you know, to figure out where real estate fits into, you know, an overall investment strategy or, you know, is your, is your core business. There's, you just got to believe that there's going to be some, some great uh, acquisition opportunities as, as things are, are starting to stabilize. Um, so yeah, first movers tend to have a great advantage in markets like this. Yeah. It reminds me, I have a, have a property that I've owned a, a very long time. You know, I bought it. Interest rates were really high. Um, and so there wasn't that much demand. I showed it to the investors that I was working with. No, it's too expensive, you know, and, and so I got it at a great basis, but it was a long-term hold. So it doesn't really matter what interest rates were at that time, except that maybe I got in at a lower price per foot. Right. And I'm sure that, I'm sure that, that whatever, um, you know, leverage you have is, is, has been reset a couple of times as you've owned it. Yeah, yeah, and and now it's gone, right? So you know, it right. doesn't really matter anymore, right? If you hold it yeah. long enough, and you know, real estate's considered a long-term hold typically by most people, right? Right. It's the guys yeah. that you had the two and a half percent, three percent money that were you know flipping in two or three years. It's like, all right, now what do we do? <laughs> right, and and people that were you know people that got in the market in in you know, kind of whatever two thousand fifteen to two thousand twenty, it just seemed like you know it was always going to go up. <laughs> and, yeah. and chances are they'd still be trading on gains. Um, yeah, that's true. Just depending on when they bought. You know, and, and uh, one of the uh, situations we see too with a lot of clients right now, even if they, they're coming around on pricing, but even if they don't like the current uh, rental increases they're getting on their properties or the current value, they had a big run up on the rental, on the rents, on the revenues, right? Yeah. Like you look at some of the apartments, they had ten percent increases every year for like three more years. Like it's historic just, increases. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so <laughs> even if that you know you adjust your your cap rate up, you're still you're you're winning. Right. You know, and and, and inevitably that was going to flatten out, and and you know we're seeing you know rent price increases flatten out some, but but good grief, they went <laughs> they were on a tear for a few years. So the, you know at some point they just had to flatten out. Yeah, and I think some of these clients and owners uh, groups are understanding. Hey, if we're gonna take a nice profit, uh, you know, we can't make decisions looking through the rearview mirror. Got to look through the windshield uh, and make decisions based on. Uh, hey, if we can make a profit, it's a profit. It doesn't have to be what we expected it to be. You know, three years ago. Right. It, it just it took. I think it took a. It, it took or it is taking a little bit of time for that to settle in. Um, yeah, but it seems as though that's starting to to sort of settle in that this is that, that whatever you thought your property was worth a couple of years ago is not the case today. Yeah, and it's always interesting too to me is that you know when, when we price a, a property, we give a pricing guidance to a client, if they if they don't like it, 
and I think about the future, well, we don't really know what the future value is going to be. We know now, pretty much know right. now, but we don't know in the future. Uh, so if you don't like it now, you might not like it later if you could take a profit and move on, right? Right, exactly. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm through preaching to sellers. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but that does seem to be one of the biggest challenges, right, is for, for, for ownership groups, for sellers to understand that, hey, when you have this big a change in uh, interest rates, uh, it, it's a change in value. I gave an example the other day of a just 100 basis points change in a cap rate on an $85 million deal. Uh, went from a five cap to a six cap. This is a class A incredible property, uh, just beautiful. And uh, but even that, just you know, one percentage rate change on the cap adjusted the value by fifteen million dollars, right? Yeah, a, <laughs> so, a huge move, right? <laughs> yeah, and you look at the yeah. properties that might have uh, two hundred basis points change in the same price range. That might be thirty million. It's 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 a big change, and and uh, it is hard to uh, get your arms around as as the owner. Listen, I, I and I and I certainly get it, Michael. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I get the psychology, but um, yeah, you know, as, as people, uh, uh, you know, either need to kind of adjust their portfolio or or just need to get out. Uh, you know, just getting realistic, and and you know, now finally, there's there are some comps that uh, you know that that sort of support that line of thinking. It's just that there's the the volume is so low that. Um, you know, get, like getting people to right. We're, we're still preaching to the to the sellers, um, you know, to, to be realistic <laughs> well, about yeah. about value as a thing. Well, I'll I'll preach to the to the buyers. I uh, I bought properties when interest rates were extremely high, um, and uh, had negative leverage. I was paying more on my loan rate uh, than my cap rate, um, and I did well, and, and I made money. And I think part of it was probably because the the basis was lower. Right? Yeah. I'm not going to pay that interest rate forever. Uh, and I did make money. And so you talk to some people now that have been in business for 10 or 12 years and they're like, what do you mean you, you had negative leverage? How could you pay a, a you know, six cap and have 10% interest rate money and make money? Yeah. You, well, you, st you still can. And, and, and some of that's just, you know, by, by understanding the, the fundamentals, right? That, that, uh, that, that the market today is not going to be the market forever. Yeah. Well, great report. Great survey. John, thanks for joining us again. Great information as usual. Thank you, sir. No, my pleasure, Michael. It's always good to talk. Thanks for having me. All right. And thank you around the country. That's John D'Angelo, real estate solutions leader with Deloitte about their report, 2024 commercial real estate outlook, finding terra firma. And again, you can find this at CREshow.com or just Google Deloitte CRE Outlook 2024. Thanks for joining us around the country. Till next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For commercial brokerage sales and leasing in the Southeast U.S., contact our show host, by email at michael at bullrealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success Strategies, 21 incredible one-hour agent training videos. Learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. And by Lumet. For senior housing, healthcare, and multifamily financing, visit lumet.com. For more podcasts and videos, subscribe and visit CREshow.com.